The name of Jesus is what Easter is about. The questions rang throughout Jerusalem when Easter morning arose and the tomb was empty and the stone was rolled away. And the name of Jesus still has power today because of who he is and what he has done and how much he loves us and how much he invites us in. He is risen and because he has risen, we have hope. And because we have hope, we can have confidence. And if we have confidence, we can live for him. It's an awesome realization to come together to celebrate such good news. We're hearing enough bad news today. So to be able to celebrate that kind of news is just an awesome thing as we come together. I... Uh, am a uh, fan of cartoons. I mean, the comic strip cartoons. I know those of you that are around here often that you're, you're not surprised by that. That's kind of my intellectual level. Um, but my uh, all-time favorite is Calvin and Hobbes. And then right behind that is a couple of others. Far side. You can pray for me. And then... The classic, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown is one of those cartoons that we all can understand and follow because it deals with life stuff from the mind and lips of a lovable loser, Charlie Brown. I, I looked something up this week just because that's me. Of the top all-time greatest quotes from Charlie Brown. It's like, man, somebody needs to make a calendar of this. This would be awesome. Words to live by. But one of my favorite cartoons was from several years ago, and it was Charlie Brown and Linus, and they were having lunch. I assume it was kind of at school. They had their sacks and lunch, and Charlie Brown starts to eat his lunch, and he looks at his lunch, and he looks at Linus's lunch, and Charlie Brown starts to complain and says, I hate this. Every day, my lunch is the same. And Linus said, well, Charlie, who makes your lunch? And Charlie looked down and said, I do. See, the problem is many times we do that, don't we? We're complaining about how things are and how we are and we forget that we're making our own lunch. If we want a different lunch, we need to make a different choice. If we want our lives to be different, we need to make some different choices. And Easter Sunday is all about choice. I mean, it started earlier this week for some of you trying to figure out what am I going to wear? Or some of you being told by somebody else in the house what you're going to wear and you didn't have a choice. It goes on to choices about, well, are we going to go to church or not? What are we going to fix for dinner? Or are we even doing Easter dinner? If we're going to be with family or we're not going to be with family this year. But the most important choice ever is the one that got outlined by a guy named Pontius Pilate. It's recorded in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew. 
chapter 27, verse 22. As he has been dealing with the Jews who were upset at Jesus and wanting him done away with, but he couldn't find any fault in him. And so he asked this question. And this question still hangs over us today. The question is, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Now on that day, on that occasion, the answer came back, a resounding crucify him. Pilate didn't understand it. He said, I find no fault in him. But the question still lingers all through history. And it's a question that each of us has to answer for ourselves. What will you do with Jesus? Well, not just today, but in your life. What will you do with Jesus? And Easter Sunday is about life. That's why we have the bunnies and the the little chicks. And that's why we eat the imitation chicks called peeps. I've always wondered what the little chicks think when they see us eating those peeps, if they're concerned, if they realize the ones we're eating aren't real. Or, well, I, I, Hey, cartoons are my favorite, so come on. But Easter is all about life. It's about coming alive because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. We've been dealing with this series called It's Time. And each week, looking at a different aspect from Scripture, it's time to do. Well, this morning, it's time to come alive. Or not just show up, not just keep breathing, but to come alive. Not to go through the motions, but to come alive. But to come alive, we have to make some choices for many of us, there are going to be different choices like Charlie needed to make to have a different lunch. The question is, will you come alive? And the scripture that we're looking at this morning is in the New Testament. That's toward the back half of the book. The first book of the New Testament called Matthew. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 62 of chapter 27. And it says, the next day, that's the day of, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. Now, just realize this is after the crucifixion and Christ's death. And they said, sir, we remember how that imposter, that's Jesus, said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he has risen from the dead. And this last fraud will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and standing, setting guard. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. 
But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Now just imagine you just stood there through an earthquake, the sighting of an angel and a huge boulder rolling away and you're told, don't be afraid. He said, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. It's time to come alive. But to come alive means we have to make some choices. And I got four for you this morning. The first choice, if we're going to come alive, is we must choose to seek Jesus, Jesus who was crucified and rose from the dead. Chapter 28, the first five verses deal with that. I mean, after his crucifixion, and they came to look at and prepare the body. We don't, I mean, it's just such a foreign concept to us, right? I mean, but there were no funeral homes at that time. There were no funeral directors. There was no embalming. A, a body was laid in a tomb it was wrapped up at least, and then someone would come along if there was family or people who loved the person would come and put spices and, and other things on the body to preserve it as well as, let's be honest, keep it from stinking. And so that's what Mary and Mary did. And they showed up and they knew which tomb it was because if you read earlier from where I was reading, it says that they were watching when they laid him in the tomb. They knew where it was. And I love their faith. They went knowing they couldn't roll the stone away, but they went anyway. But God already had taken care of that. We're to seek Jesus, just like they did. They went to find him. And it probably doesn't surprise you, since I love comic strips, that one of my favorite all-time games is hide-and-seek. I love hide-and-seek. And as long as I have young grandkids, I get to play hide-and-seek once in a while. Because my wife Jody won't play with me anymore. I know, talk to her about that. But you see, the thing is, in hide-and-seek, one person is trying to find everybody while everybody else is trying not to be found. And I think sometimes we look at Jesus that way, thinking that he's hiding and we have to go find him. When I say seek him, it's not because he's hiding. It's just our choice to find him. He is not hiding. He is there. He is available. He is here. Notice even in this passage, when they went to look, the angel said to them, he is not here in verse 6. He is risen. But when they turned to leave, there he was. For you see, as we seek Jesus, we don't have to really find him. He's already available, but you must seek him. In other words, turn toward him. You don't have to go running. You don't have to go searching. 
You just need to turn to him because he's already there. We are all seeking and searching for something. I had this conversation a week ago with a young couple in ministry was describing people who are seeking, but they don't know what they're seeking. They're just kind of grabbing at whatever comes along. But we need to intentionally seek Jesus. He is there to be found, but I have to ask you, what or who are you seeking today? Secondly, if we're going to come alive, we must choose to believe that Christ is risen. That's what Easter was all about. The ladies who went to the tomb seeking Jesus to care for his body didn't believe he was risen. The angel reminded them, said, just like Jesus told you that he would rise in three days and he's done it. If you've been around here, you've heard me often say one of my favorite things in scripture is how often in the New Testament, especially the gospels, when Jesus says something, one of the next things in scripture is, and it was just like he said. That's still true today, by the way. Even as simple as for God so loved the world, John three sixteen. that's still true, just like he said. We need to believe that Christ is risen. They went looking in the tombs for Jesus and the angel said, he's not here, he has risen. But let me just admonish and encourage, spur you on a little bit. If you are claiming to be a follower of Christ, let me remind you that if you believe Christ is risen, then live like it. I think an awful lot of Christians, one of our problems is we tell everybody this is exciting to follow Jesus and the tomb is empty and Christ is risen and it's so awesome. And then they look at our lives and they go, in fact, I believe it's a sin to bore people with the Christian life. I believe it's a sin to be boring sharing the gospel. Another true confession, not just about, man, this is going to be a painful day for me. But a, a show I watch sometimes, the reruns of now, is called Last Man Standing. I'm not advocating for the show, I'm just confessing. But there was one where they had gone to church and the key character, Mike, had fallen asleep in church again. And I see some of you can identify with him, but it, his wife was kind of admonishing him about falling asleep. And he said, but it was so boring. She goes, why? Well, I thought that sermon was good. He goes, it should have been. He was talking about David and Goliath. I mean, a teenage boy grabs a rock, throws a sling and kills a giant. He goes, how can you make that boring? And I think a lot of us do that who claim to be followers of Christ with the message of Christ by our life. See, we need to seek him and believe that he is risen. Then we need to live as if we believe it. Let people know that. Because the good news is you have a risen Savior, not a dead God. 
You see, people go on Memorial Day and Labor Day and, and, and other times to cemeteries and lay flowers at gravestones in remembrance of a loved one who has passed. We can't even do that for Jesus because he's not there, not even his body. He has risen. And we need to remember it. We need to believe it. We need to live as if we know it is true. So we need to seek him. We need to believe that he is risen. And number three, we need to choose to not be afraid. Two times in these first 10 verses of chapter 28, once by the angel and once by Jesus himself, they tell the ladies, do not be afraid. Now, frankly, they had reason humanly to be afraid. I mean, I said they'd already seen an earthquake, an angel show up and the, and the stone roll away. And then when they left, they turned around and there was a guy they had seen die three days earlier. So from a human standpoint, makes sense to have been afraid. But even then they said, do not be afraid. Verse 5. Verse 10, do not be afraid. Now, I haven't counted it, but I know it's been counted that there are at least 365 times in all of Scripture where we are told, do not be afraid. Now, if you think through 12 months and there's 365 days, unless it's leap year, so there is a promise every day to not be afraid. On leap year, just repeat one of them. Do not be afraid, but we must choose that. And the only way to choose it is because he has risen. It's who he is. That's why the angel in verse 5 said, Do not be afraid. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Jesus said, Do not be afraid. I'm right here. The same is still true for us today. And we need to believe, as Paul wrote to Timothy, Young Timothy, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. He said, God did not give you a spirit of fear. We need to believe and know God did not give us a spirit of fear. Now I realize there are legitimate fears about things. But we don't need to live in fear. God isn't the one who orchestrates the fear. And also, because of that, because he has risen, because he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. Because he has provided the Holy Spirit for us after he left, we can be courageous. Courage is not the absence of realizing there are things to be afraid of. Courage is that in spite of that, we do the right thing. As I am famous for saying, just take the next right step. Don't worry about 10 steps. Just take the next one. And God will take care of the rest. He'll help you to take the next one and the next one. Don't be afraid. Just take that next step. And number four. If we're going to choose to come alive, we also need to go and tell after we've received him, and preferably quickly. Verse 7, the angel said, Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, 
Jesus said in verse 10, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers. If we believe this, if we are trying to live this, if we claim to be followers of Christ, we need to tell other people about it. Because if you're not aware of it, this is good news. Now, if you are into the news at all, and into all the places you can get news from, you know that there's a lot of news out there that isn't good. There's a lot of bad news. Bad news from stuff around the world. Bad news in our country. Bad news in our state. Bad news in our county. Bad news sometimes next door to us. Bad news sometimes at the doctor's office or other places. But the news of Jesus Christ, the news and the truth of Easter is good news. Why wouldn't you tell others good news? We tell them all kinds of stuff. We are not afraid to tell people what we think. Have you noticed that? Or maybe you've never heard of a thing called Facebook. The description of Facebook is a bunch of people telling other people what they believe about often things that don't matter. <laughs> like those cat videos playing the piano. If you're a cat lover, I sort of apologize. But not really. We don't hesitate to tell. We can find the news about all kinds of things. You want to know where to eat and name a city? You type it in and say, best places to eat in, put the city, and you get these reviews. Why? Because people aren't afraid to tell. Hey, this place was great. This place wasn't. By the way, if you find a good one, let me know. Because I've been there. I can tell you the ones that I've tried. But why, if we are so willing and so eager and so excited to tell people that kind of stuff, why are we so hesitant to tell them the real good news? This is news that could change somebody's life for eternity. This is news that could change somebody's eternal address. We're always telling people something. Why not tell them the good news? And why hesitate to do it? At this point, might hurt, but you need to think through this. It's possible that some of the people in your circle or people you run across, you might be the only one who's going to tell them this good news. See, we have a tendency, especially in this country, to go, oh, they're going to hear it from somebody else. Maybe not. You might be the only one. We used to sometimes say an old, old phrase that said, you might be the only Bible some people ever read. In other words, if you're a follower of Christ, people looking at your life are seeing and reading the truth of the gospel. The question is, what are they reading? What are they hearing? So let me go back to that very first question that Pilate proposed. What will you do with Jesus? What have you done? Have you accepted him for yourself? If so, awesome. Celebrate and tell others quickly 
If you haven't, why haven't you accepted him? I mean, what are you waiting for? There are all kinds of opportunities. And today is a prime opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior to say yes. You see, we already showed in scripture, you don't have to go somewhere. Just turn to him in your heart and in your mind. He's already there. He's invited you. And all you have to do is let him know, yes. You don't have to understand everything. Just say yes. You don't have to know any scripture. Just say yes. What will you do with Jesus? And if you do know him already, let me ask you, what are you telling others about him? What are you showing them with your life? I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. Get ready to pray. And the worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing, I Speak Jesus Again. But with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just a simple question, what will you do with Jesus? If this morning is a time that you would say, yeah, this is the moment. I'm ready to say yes. I may not understand everything, but I'm ready to say yes. I would love to be praying for you, to know about it. You could tell me about it, put it on a card, or just right now with your heads bowed, nobody else looking around at you, just raise your hand for a little bit so that I can see and know to be praying for you. Thank you. Just, just raise it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. If you want to talk, I would love to talk further. I'm not going to force anything on you, but just know that I'm praying for you. And let's all pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for the fact that we have good news to tell. Thank you that right now there are those in here and some watching online who are simply turning to you. May they feel your arms around them. May you encourage them in their spirit as they say yes and accept you, your salvation, your forgiveness. And Lord, I pray for some others who have made that decision, but this morning maybe you've prodded them that they haven't been telling the good news. Why not? It's time to come alive. And Lord, there is nothing more alive than the name of Jesus. So as we sing this song, may it be a testimony, a resounding testimony of who you are and what you will do when we say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.